Welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. Welcome to this week's pod. And this week, we are doing something a little special, something that is a tribute to an incredibly important part of the expansive. And it's an emotional podcast and I imagine it will become quite emotional as we go through this. And if you follow our socials and follow Eric's socials, you'll know that we had a major tragedy a couple of weeks ago. And we want to have an episode that's focused solely on the tribute to Axel. And Axel was Eric's pup and firstborn furry child. And he was often part of the pod. And you would often hear him barking and his tail wagging and his feet walking on the ground, bugging Eric to go for a walk while we're in the pod. And often used to even bark at the right time when we <laughs> when we spoke about certain things. But Axel unfortunately passed away. And um, we've actually been delaying recording a pod for the last few weeks to process what has happened. But we feel a deep urge to have a tribute pod to Axel, our friend. And Axel, Eric's best friend. So Eric, I don't know what, how you're feeling, but uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on for you. Well, uh, first of all, dude, it's good to be back with you on the pod. Um, it's been a while since we've connected around this. So it's good to be back. Um, when we were talking about what to, to talk about today, you know, obviously there are many things that kind of a top of mind for us just regarding the work that we do but there is this big thing that's been looming which has been that that Axel is not with us anymore and um yeah it's been one of the most like painful times in my life one of the most painful things I've ever experienced I've you know for context never had an immediate family member or a close friend or anyone like that pass away and so um Losing Axel has been pretty devastating and it's like, yeah, it's gutted us, you know, like as a, as a family as well. And so, uh, we were talking about what to, to talk about today on the pod and we thought like, it's a good idea just to process a little bit around what's happened because we both have this deep love for dogs as it is. And then on top of that, Axel, like you said, was the very first pup that Dan and I got together. And it actually, like she said it very well, that he turned us into a family. <laughs> that it was the two of us for a long time. And then when he came around, he turned us into a family. And as a result of him being in our lives as well, uh, Jaeger eventually also became part of us. So he was this catalyst for so many things that happened in our lives. And to give a bit of a, a quick background for everyone who, who doesn't know Axel. So, you know, 
And just actually before I get to that, let me just say that the outpouring of love has been incredible. Like I've literally received hundreds and hundreds of messages that I could never, ever get to. And it's been amazing to see people, I think, understand that these days your like your dog and your pet isn't just that. You know, there's such a much deeper connection. And it's really come through in the way that people have responded to us. Um, but so Axel was only five years old and he moved with us from one space in Joburg to another space in Joburg to Cape Town. And really everything in my life was built around him. He was my best friend. He was like, he was like a soul dog. I, I don't know how else to describe it, that he was bonded not only to my heart, but to my soul. And everything revolved around them. You know, when we were speaking to us about December, like, what are you doing for December? Everyone has these plans to go away. And like, the only thing I was looking forward to was spending more time with them on the beach and taking them to more places. Whenever Dan was sitting down to visit or to look at like, you know, where will we go? It was always built around them. So you have to understand our entire lives are set up and built around these two pups. So about a year ago, Axel had a, like a small growth on his paw and the doctor looked at it and he diagnosed it as like a squamous cell cancer. And he was able to take a lot of it out. So he, he had to end up like amputating a toe, but he ended up getting a lot of the, the cancer out. And then he was fine. You know, like it was a, it was a very painful period because we saw him suffering a lot and he was in lots of pain, but he was always himself. Like his personality is always there. Like even though he was in pain, he wanted to go and bark at the 60-60 man. And he like, he wanted to, you know, he's like, he, like he, you couldn't keep him like from just not running around <laughs> and doing crazy shit. So it was very difficult to keep him contained. But so we eventually get through that and everything has been fine. And then about four weeks ago, um, he came into the house one night and he was just sitting looking at me and all of a sudden, like he started wincing and crying and I, I couldn't figure out what was happening. I, I couldn't touch him. We couldn't do, like we couldn't get close to him. He was just like in agony. And so we try and settle him and eventually you get him calmed down. Like we get him lying flat either. Uh, we can kind of isolate that it's happening to the, whatever's happening is happening to the, the paw. So we, um, we rested on a pillow for him. Like, you know, we're making comfortable, give him as much pain as possible the vet by now is a good friend and like he's on speed dial. So I'm like, what's happening? What, what should we do? And we both come to the conclusion that this must be some sort of muscle injury that he's, because he, he goes crazy outside. So we thought he might've run down the stairs and into the wall, maybe strained a muscle. And the next morning when he wakes up, I see like this entire shoulder and breast, one side of his breasts, like sort of swollen. And so we thought, okay, that actually just confirms it, that he must've torn a muscle. But then days go by and it doesn't really get better. And a week goes by and it doesn't really get better. Eventually he goes to the doctor because he had to go and look at something else. And while we're there, we thought, let's do a biopsy. And the, he does the biopsy, comes back in, initially as like, okay, this might just be a hematoma. But then when he goes to go see the doctor again, we realize that this thing is changing, like the shape of it's changing, the consistency of it's changing, but it's also not going down and not getting better. And so the doctor decided to do a, a, a different biopsy. And he said the moment he did that, he realized that the cancer was back. And that what most likely actually happened is that he ran down into a wall, like you thought, 
but that it kind of impacted a cancer nodule or pocket and it just exploded. And what we saw previously with other cancers as well was that it grew very quickly. Like once it was just, once it was exposed to like a trauma, it just like flared. And so when, when we realized like it, it was the cancer and the cancer was back, we I had to start talking about, you know, what are some of the options going forward? And unfortunately with the size that it was, um, and the type of cancer that it was, there was really no other way. There was really no other way than to just, we had to let him go. Um, and I, I swear I would have done everything, everything and anything that I possibly could have done to make sure that he's still with us, but not at the cost of him having to suffer. And so it happened so quickly because on the Thursday, we still thought that, oh, this is muscle. It's going to be fine. And then by the Friday, we had to start talking about, well, what are we going to do if we have to put him down? And so we finally, we finally came to the decision that we have to let him go. We can't, we can't let him get to the point where he's going to suffer. He was already spending 95%, 98% of his day just lying down. And that wasn't Axel. You know, previously when he injured his foot, like I said, he was still being arrogant, confident, running around, barking at things. We had to keep him like contained. This time around, it wasn't that. He was just lying around. We had to beg him to eat. <laughs> I had to hand feed him. I had to carry him outside. So he was in pain and he just wasn't himself anymore. And so we said, well, how can we just like make sure we have one last good day with him then? Because the options are that we either wait until he's really suffering and then we let him go or we have a good day with him, do all of his favorite things and then send him off on that note instead. And so um, two Saturdays ago, we woke up, I put him on the bed because he hasn't even been on the bed with us. I put him on the bed to wake up with Dan on the bed. We took him to the ocean and even there, like he, he wasn't running a muck the way he usually would. He was just kind of sitting to the side. We had McDonald's burgers with him. And then the vet came to the house because um, I, I didn't want to take him into like a cold steel room, you know. So he came to the house and, and we had to let him go. So that's a, a brief but long history of, of what's been happening. And since then, dude, it's just been, I don't really know how to describe it. I don't really know how to describe it. Like he's here one moment and then he's just gone. And I don't, I don't really know how to, how to explain that because it feels so surreal. It still doesn't really feel like this is the way that life is going to be moving forward. Um, but having said that, so, you know, I've been processing a lot and there's a few things that have kind of popped up for me in the, in the meantime, things that I've heard, things that the TikTok algorithm are so good at targeting you with once it, I don't know, like how it picks up on, on everything that's going on in your life and it just targets you with the right things. <laughs> um, so I have a few things, three things that I want to share, but any, any emotions you wanted to say, yeah. Before... Before before you do that, um, tell us more about his personality, you know? Just tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
He was so handsome and so yeah. proud, you know? He was so <laughs> full of, like, almost like to the point of like, just check me out. Like, I'm like, I'm every, like, he was just so full of his, of, of his own energy and, he, he had a confidence, confidence that was bordering on arrogance, like for sure. And that from from the youngest age when we had him, like he had this thing where he would come and sit on you. And I think it's just like his way of like showing like I'm the boss here. And like literally like, <laughs> like we were going through Dan's photos yeah. and he's like, oh, here he's sitting on Dan, here he's sitting on Dan, here he's sitting on Dan. <laughs> and like he would get on top of the couch to get on top of you, to sit on top of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he... He had this thing in the park always and where like if a dog was approaching him, he would go lie down on his haunches first and then go up and meet them. And initially he thought, oh, that's so, that's so cute because he's submitting to them. And then a behaviorist was like, no, he's stalking them. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to kill so, them just slowly. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, he was, I, call, I called him King Axel because that's really, right. that was his personality. He ruled yeah. everything and everyone and... Um, he was very, very vocal. He was so good at telling us what he needed, where he needed it. Um, if he wanted food, if he wanted attention, like he was extremely articulate in helping you to understand that. So yeah, if I had to, the, the confidence is what stands out for me above everything else. And then if I had to add anything else to that, it would be just his extreme, like love for adventure. And especially the ocean, but like just in general, like he just wanted to do things and experience life and have fun. And he was either a zero or a hundred dog. Like there was just no in between yeah. with him. Yeah. You know, the dog, and that was dogs also, are terrible, terrible um, energy managers. Yeah. Like, yeah, go yeah. to death and then drop and sleep yeah. perfect and then run again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and that's partly also what's been tough is that, you know, I think Jaeger got to borrow a lot of that from Axel. Yeah. Um, and like, it's, it was funny because always in, in the front, Jaeger would be the one that alerts you like, oh, there's a checker 60, 60 guy here. And then the yeah. brawler just comes through the house. Like, it's literally like <laughs> run like doors off hinges and stuff just to get to the 60, 60 <laughs> men as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was his, that was his personality, like all art, confidence, like life loving boy. And tell me, he he became such a great older brother for Jaeger. And how did that relationship happen? Yeah. Because, I mean, did he take him on straight away as a as a younger brother? Like, how did that roll out? Yeah, I mean, Jaeger. So Jaeger came to us about three years after Axel. And uh, Jaeger, Axel came to us from Durban when we were still in Joburg because Dan saw him online and she was like, that's the pup. And then Jaeger, I was scrolling Facebook one day and I saw this photo of him and I was like, no, like this, this is speaking to me. Like, I think we need to go and see him. And Jaeger has this history of, of abuse for sure. Like we don't, we don't really know what his yeah. history is, but you can see he's been abused because when we picked him up, he was deathly scared of I me. I remember. And I would walk into a room and he would run out of the room and we would look for him and he would be in the furthest side of the yard under a chair, wow. like just cowering. Wow. And so initially he didn't even respond to Axel. He was just scared of everything. And then I think wow. eventually he started, you know, where Axel went, Jaeger would go. And what Axel would yeah. do, Jaeger would do. And so yeah. if Axel was running into the ocean, Jaeger would start running into the ocean. Good. Even the first time we took them to the ocean, Jaeger wouldn't, like he wouldn't even go close to it. But then he saw Axel do these things and he started yes. getting more and more confident. So, yeah. And then 
I think over time, uh, they kind of became inseparable, you know, wherever yeah. the two of them had to be together. And the few times that we had to split them because I actually had to go to the vet or whatever, you could clearly see like the missing and the mm. how weird it is. And now that Axel's been gone, uh, Jaeger hasn't been eating. So that's, well, he's now, he's now started eating, but he wasn't eating, mm. uh, which has been stressful as well. Mm. And it, like his confidence is taking a bit of a knock again, you know, I, I'm seeing that he's unsure, yeah. like he doesn't want to yeah. go outside. But also it must be so weird for him because I, I know he still smells Axel around the house. Of course. You know, course. we still have all the beds out. I still have his collar like with me. Yeah. So I think he's smelling him everywhere. And initially it felt to us that when we went out, he was almost like, oh, we're going to go see Axel. We're going to go fetch Axel because right. that often happened as he would come with me to the vet to go and fetch Axel. So I think he had this uh, built-in routine. Oh, we're going to go get yeah. Axel now. Yeah. And then it just didn't happen. And tell me, was Axel, I mean, was Jaeger in that room or in the house when, when yeah. the vet yeah. came? I didn't really know what to do, to be honest. I yeah. didn't know what was going to be the best option. I knew we couldn't block Jaeger in the room. He'd be freaking out. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, he was with us in the room. And it was quite yeah. funny because um, the doctor, he was very, like, he was great. He communicates well with us all the way through. And he obviously gave Axel a bit of a sedation before. Mm. And when he was approaching Axel with the needle to give him the injection, like Jaeger yeah. wanted to like really go for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was barking at him, keeping him at bay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he was in the room and I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know what that did to him um, to see because, you know, carrying Axel out and all that. I don't know if he, how he interpreted that. Yeah. But yeah, he was there. I'm what, like I said, I don't know if it was the, the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but there was no other way really to do it. Mm. And Eric, um, what's been the emotional roller coaster like for you? You know, like the, you got the five stages of mourning and, and what's that been like for you? Where, where, where have you been? Where are you? Like, what, how's well, that? can I tell you about these three things? Because I think they relate to that question. So I'll, I'll take you through these sort of three things that I just wrote down this morning as I was reflecting on on this period. Um, starting with like maybe the most superficial, which is that, um, like I said, the TikTok algorithm is great at sending you <laughs> things that like, and yeah. I, I'd love to know how they pick up on it because I never did any searches for this or, or anything. But mm. there was a, a veterinarian that popped onto my feed and she said that when they were in medical school, they were always taught this idea of, um, euthanasia is there to relieve suffering for animals. Mm, mm. And she said that she pivoted her career into being sort of looking after geriatric animals over time. Mm. And she said that her perception has shifted, that it's not about relieving suffering, but it's rather about preventing suffering. And that she has this saying, which is that you'd rather do it a mm. month too early than a day too late. And... Oh. It was so difficult for us because that's the you, you're sitting in this kind of space in between. Like he wasn't bad enough. Like it, like it was obvious yeah. that oh, like he's so he's like he's suffering. Like it, it wasn't quite that, but we were also on the precipice of it, like it's going to become that. Mm. And so you have this internal struggle of do you wait until it becomes that, or do you mm. have the grace to go before it gets to that? Mm. And so obviously we made the decision not to let it get to that, not to let him get to the point where he, like he, he couldn't even get out of the room, for example. 
Mm. Um, and it was just, it was kind of affirming just to hear that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And for people who, who might be going through something similar, you shouldn't feel guilt for rather letting them go early than hang on, for, especially because it's, it can feel like quite a selfish thing to do, that you want to hold on for you, um, for you to have more time. And that's not, that's not in the best interest for them. So, yeah. So I was going to say, I don't know, I, you know, I remember when Superdog left, you know, and uh, I just thought I'd get it right, you know. I thought something would happen that I would give him something that he'd be fine, like he would make it through. So I thought my thing was always like there's hope for a solution somewhere. It wasn't really about anything else, you know. It's like, And then when I exhausted the solutions, I was like, oh, I have to now, you know. So I don't know if it's a selfish thing. It was more for hope. I was, I was doing it more for hope. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. But as long as that hope doesn't involve their suffering. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the, that's the tough, tough thing to balance. Um, so, th so just at a, at a superficial level and when talking about like euthanasia, I think that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, so at, at a deeper level, um, something that's been so top of mind for me is that, and you know, this started for both of us during the pandemic is that we both started talking a lot about dealing with endings, going into the wilderness and new beginnings. And so I've been sitting with that idea in the top of my mind all the time and, and, playing with it in different ways and thinking about how does it apply to where I'm at and how am I really feeling about dealing with endings. And there's a few things that have sort of come up for me. The first is that when we deal with an ending, one of the most important things is to ceremonialize it and to ritualize it. Mm. And it's been so meaningful for me to do that. And I think I'm quite naturally a person that I want to be ritualistic. I want to have symbolism. Mm. I want to, um, I want to carry things with me. I want to have a visual representation of a thing. And so since day one, we've built a little shrine for him in the room, uh, in the, mm. like in the living room and there are flowers around it. We had his collar on it every day mm. since he's passed. I've lit a, a candle for him every morning. I'm, I'm there saying good morning to him. I say good night to him when I walk past him at mm -hmm. night. So that has been such a, it, it's weird because he's here, but he's not here. But mm. that kind of, it, 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 to some extent, helps us to still feel his presence. The second thing that I've done is I carry his collar with us when we go for walks. So when we take Jaeger for a walk, mm. I've left his collar that I always used to take him with to the park mm. in the car. Mm. And so whenever we get out and I'm taking him for a walk, um, I hold on to his collar because I, I want to bring him with us on the walk. So that ceremony or ceremony and, and, and ritual, I think allows you to just not hang on for, for longer than you need to, but I don't know, it gives you something at a soul level that I can't really describe. It's honoring him. It's honoring yeah. him. And it's the respect yeah. for him, you know, and what he brought. And I did the exact same thing, you know, when Superdog passed, I, I got all of his pictures printed. I went and got them printed. I stuck them up. I, I decorated his 
his passing. You know, I celebrated him mm. as much as I could to give him as much respect and love as I as I possibly could. Mm. Um, so I think it's a very powerful thing to have pro- to help you process the process. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The um, the second thing related to that is that. I've been thinking a lot about like, what is, what is grief? Like if I, cause everyone's like, um, you know, it's fine. Like it's going to get better. And I'm like, I don't really know if that's the right thing to say because I, I get the impulse that yes, the pain is going to go away over time, but I actually don't mind the pain. Yeah. I actually, like I've, I've been experiencing it and I've been grieving and I, I actually don't mind it because yeah. there's this combination of three things that are happening at the same time when you're grieving. The first is that there's this deep sorrow and that sorrow is for it's for the presence that's not there at the moment mm. and for the fact that there's a, a future that you're not going to have, mm-hmm. that we had all these incredible things planned and that mm. that's not going to come to fruition. And like, mm. and that sorrow is like life, dogs' lives are so short and we even got, mm. we got shorter than that. Yeah. Like we knew that we only had 12 years with him, but like we only got mm. five. So sorrow is the one part of grief. The second part of it is a very intense missing. And that missing is that, you know, when I walk through this house, I see him everywhere. And not only because he's like on my my desktop and stuff, but because my chair where he used to lie when we recorded our episodes is empty. Mm. Like the mm. that spot underneath my desk is empty. Him at the front door, it's empty. And on top of that, the silence is just there. There's no mm. his barking for attention or for food or for <laughs> 60, you know time to enemy, go for a walk. The enemy or, of sixty six. Or the enemy. Yeah. yeah. The enemy. All that's gone. And so it's just it's it's quiet and it is empty. And so there's this real deep missing. But then the third part, which I think is which has been part of grief for me, which I found interesting and surprising, is just immense and deep gratitude gratitude yeah for the time that we did have with him and mm-hmm. i've said to dan if we could go back in time and you told me i could only have five years with him i, I would do it in a heartbeat it. yeah in a heartbeat because yeah. what he unlocked in me what he unlocked mm-hmm. in us as a as a couple what he enriched our lives with is beyond measure mm. and so there's this at the same time, there's just this immense mm-hmm. gratitude for the fact that I had him as a part of my life for even just a small fraction, which is yeah. five years. And knowing that those five years will live in me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so it's been it's been interesting to me that when I'm going through this grief, I I don't just need it to end. I don't need to rush through it. I don't need yes. to get to the other side as quickly as yes. possible. Yes. I'm actually okay. Like I'm, I'm okay yeah. with those three things combined. I'm, I'm hard sore, but I'm okay. Yeah, you know, I, I messaged you when you, when you told me. <laughs> I said, sit with it, just sit, sit with it, sit with it. And in fact, it's weird because you start enjoying it. Like your tears are the appreciation and missing. I miss you, and I love you, mm. and I miss you all in the same. It's and you know what I, it, I call that conscious mourning, mm. like consciously mourn him, so that it's a respect process. And 
in I was in Mexico now and they have the Day of the Dead. You know, Halloween is a mm. very different process for them. They they put pictures of loved ones outside their houses and everything their loved ones liked. So if it was mm. alcohol, tobacco, beans, you name it, they put it around that picture. And it was amazing to see because everybody had displays outside their house with candles, pictures, just so respectful and so it was just so beautiful to watch because that's also thinking about death in a very different way. It's in a very respectful, appreciative, we miss you, but you're with us and hear the mm. things that you actually enjoyed while you were here. And and I think that shrine that you've created is wonderful. And then yearly, 5.30, 31st of May is when Superdog left. And every year at 5.30, at 31st of May, that is, it's always going to be part of my life you know moving forward so i think you've do done you, exceptionally do you do something well. on those days as well do you like i say a, a prayer a ritual? it's been it's been like maybe 10 years already you know but sure. superdog's still mm. on my phone everywhere he's people still talk about him so he's still around and not so funny mm. the apartment i lived in his claws used to make a noise on the carpet always so you could hear when he was coming but you know, when he passed, I could constantly hear those paws. And mm. I used to think to myself, I'm just imagining it. And then let me tell you what happened is my friends Sean and Stacy moved into my apartment and they messaged me after a couple of weeks and they said, bro, we can hear Superdog's claws on the carpet. I was like, no way. Because I didn't say anything to them. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I mean, and so Superdog was still cruising around. <laughs> I could still <laughs> literally hear his energy moving mm. in between, you know. But I also think another thing, Eric, you know, to say goodbye to the spirit and allow it to move, you know, you don't, you, you and, and, and that's also a closure. It's like, thank you and journey on. Thank you so much for being with mm. us and journey on. So that, and often what happens is we, because of our pain and we want to hold on to them, we don't let that soul actually evolve and elevate and move on into its journey. So I think this ritual and mourning it is very much letting go of that process. And and the last piece mm. on this, the last thing is, and I and I I haven't said this to you specifically, but when they're alive, they help us open our hearts so bigly, like so much, like you never knew you could love so much. And then when they pass, you mourn so deeply that you cry away many other pains, many other processes that you never got an opportunity to, to process. And so they're a gift when they're alive mm. and they're a gift when they pass, if you're able to mourn it consciously. And so oh, I suppose like well done for yeah. being able to process it like that. this, you know. I felt that. Yeah, I don't think we've ever cried as much as we've cried in the past yeah. few weeks. You've lost weight actually, um, you know. You've really lost. Yeah, well, that's that's pedal. That's pedal. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You've been playing pedal for the last two years. You didn't lose anyway. No, no, it's pedal. <laughs> okay, pedal. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Uh, one last thing I'll say yeah. is that, um, I, you know. I think we've gone through like one of the trends that we've seen in in the world is the humanization of pets. Mm. And and I think it's an incredible trend that I hope just keeps to continue. Like uh, Dan Dan has been talking about this a lot. She she said she really hopes that 
when people look at the way that we've treated Axel and Jaeger, that it inspires mm. them to also treat their dogs mm. and their animals better. Mm. And when Axe passed, I mean, I got many, many very heartfelt messages from people that have gone through similar things, but even people who haven't gone through similar things, I think, mm. sent um, messages that were very heartfelt, mm. but none of them said, oh, are you just going to get another pet? Mm. And... <clears throat> And I remember, like, there was a time when, if, if you like, like, if your dog died, like, yeah. the question just kind of would be, oh, like, so you're gonna get another one, you mm. know? And that's exactly it. It's like you, you, that's what you're actually saying. It's like, okay, like, it's just replaceable, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you would never ask that of someone who experiences the loss of like a child, for example, mm. you know? Mm. You, you would never just go, okay, well, well, you have another one. Mm. And mm. I think. People understand that the the love and the care and the relationship that develops with dogs, especially I mean I mean I'm, I'm biased towards that, but I think um, has taken on a new meaning and there's a very deep level to that. It's not like in the past where a dog would just live outside yeah. and that's it. You know, they are a deep part of the family, and so I've been I've been very happy to see that that there's been a shift in how mm. people think about animals in this regard. Um, yeah, so, but listen, thank you for, uh, for the space to talk about this today, to honor Axel, to, you know, he's been a part of the pod. I mean, of course, I mean, pic- of course. pictures from of him beginning. as well, like on the, the like on the mic and so. And you know, from the beginning, Eric, from the beginning, it was absolutely okay for him to be barking. There was never yeah. <laughs> an iota of irritation. It was like, oh, cool. Axel's part of it. He's part of this conversation. Um, yeah. And so he's always been a very welcome part of it, you know. Um, I, mm. I unfortunately never met him, but I watched yeah. him integrate into your life and into your world and across your socials. And um, it's been amazing to to watch him change you, you know. Mm. And uh, he has, yeah. I think I think what and I wrote a tribute to Superdog that he changed my relationship with all animals. You know, I actually went vegan because of Superdog because I was like. I don't want to eat other animals because just because I'm not spending time with them doesn't mean they don't have personalities and, and Superdog really opened up that for me, you know? Mm. But um, I think as we evolve and elevate consciously, we realize that everything in nature is communicating to us, is engaging with us, is symbiosis with us. And if you just go back 150 years, and I'm sure I've said this in the pod, but it was a while back, is we had slavery that dehumanized people and it was at a point where we thought it was normal to be like that. You know what I mean? The slaves thought it was normal. The the slave owners thought it was normal. And then as consciousness grew, we were like, hang on, what the hell are you doing? This is ridiculous actually. And then the next phase, once we abolished slavery, thank God, is women weren't allowed to vote. Like, Thank like God forbid women are able to vote. I mean, mm. that was illegal. Mm. And then there was protests against women. To, I mean, what a ridiculous, but watch how the consciousness changes. And so the next phase after women getting to vote, thank God, is children were put into camps to work and to be slaves almost back in there into the factories. They had to write legislation in Europe to stop kids being in factories. And so as our consciousness grew, slaves were obviously emotional women were highly intelligent that we were then giving them credit for children are highly intelligent. And actually by that trauma that you're inducing in them in that workspace, you didn't realize the impact it was going to have on the rest of their lives. 
And then the next phase of it is animals. Like think about mm. the, the, the progression and, and now animals. And <clears throat> there was a, uh, like an Indian guru, like a quite a high spiritual guy. And he was saying, when you really wake up, you can even talk to plants and you realize that plants are talking to you, but you're just not engaging because you don't engage with it. And so what you're talking about is the humanization of animals is we are becoming more conscientious. We are becoming more aware that everything around us is breathing and talking to us and engaging with us. If we're just still enough and conscious enough and our frequency is high enough, we become so obviously engaged with these amazing loving beings, you know? Mm. But for me, dogs are dogs are angels in fur. They're yeah. here to help us heal our hearts, grow our hearts. Their incredible purity is just, I mean, Dallas is full of dogs. I mean, like full everywhere, everywhere you go is dogs and just their purity, their pure intention mm. of just wanting to say, hi, I love you. What's happening. That's it. That's all they want. Yeah, And it's just, once you see it, you can never unsee it. You can never unsee that incredible love that they have, you know? Mm. <clears throat> it's a blessing to have that realization yeah, because I is. remember when I was younger, my grandmother used to lock the dog up at the back of the house and I would never even engage with the dog. I didn't even understand. I didn't know anything. And I think back, I mean, even my mom, you know, my mom coming from a Persian background, dogs were security dogs. You know, like the old school, mm. you're outside, you bark mm. at the thieves and then here's your That's food and get out. Yeah. Mm. And my mom now that she's really into dogs and like the dogs are her whole life actually, which is a 180 degree turnaround for my mom is she feels now bad for her previous dogs. She now thinks back and goes, Oh my God, I didn't do this. Mm. I didn't do this. I didn't see this. And so I think, it's been the, also an amazing thing to watch my mom change her relationship with the animal kingdom because of my change. Like Superdog sparked it at me, which has now sparked it at my mom. And now the ripple effect of that is global. And like you said, people mm. even without dogs are incredibly sensitive to the fact of what they mean and, 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 and how they engage in mm. our lives. Yeah, I must say my, my parents were actually here on the day that we had to like go and it impacted them deeply as well because he was so loving that like, you know, you, when he saw them, he knew them. So when he saw them, he was so happy to see them always. Like he like ran out and would pull them into the house. And so they were also here in tears on the day. Like I think they, they developed a very deep bond with him. And uh, it's the same. Like I think in the past, I didn't have the same relationship with animals. Yeah. So yeah, that was also good for me to see. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Eric, and uh, for keeping it together. I was the blubbering, crying <laughs> partner in this. <laughs> you kept it well. Thanks, thanks for keeping it together for us, Eric. Um, I, I, I remember I was in, I was in, um, I went on a like a boys' trip to to Victoria Falls many years, like 20, 30 years ago, and we hired all the scooters in Victoria Falls, and we were riding around and. I came short, I fell off, and a friend of mine also fell off, and the, the two of us had to go to the clinic. So, but his grazers were really, really bad. And so we went to the clinic, and he's, they, they fixed me up, and then the nurse and the doctor come to start sorting him out. And so he says, look, can you just wait with me just to support me through this process? Because, I mean, the one side of his body was like almost like all the skin was gone, you know? Anyway, as the doctors come in to start to sort him out, I faint. So they had to, they had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
They had to stop sorting him out. <laughs> Even him, he had to get up and start helping me because I fell over because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't deal with watching what they were doing with him. And we just laughed at that for years. We still laugh at it when I see him because here we are talking about Axel, King Axel, and um, I'm blubbing and you kept it together. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing that, Eric. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the space. Thank you yeah, for that uh, uh, we can dedicate a pod to him. It means a lot to me. Well, Axel, um, lots of love to you, boy, and a safe journey home. And um, Eric will always have a soul dog, and the soul dog will always yeah, be Axel. Sure. That will never end. For sure. So thank you, everybody, for thank joining you. us for this, uh, I suppose, I don't know, a very different pod and um, very necessary pod. It's been a very tough time. <laughs> Here I am. It's been a very tough time for me, Eric. <laughs> I've been taking a lot of strain over the last two weeks. Because <laughs> I've just been like, yeah. And, and you know, when I've mentioned it to my friends that Eric lost Axel and they hadn't seen it on social, they were distraught. You know, Joe, you know, Joe from Dubai. Hi, Joe. Mm. I know you're listening to this pod. Um, or oh, Joe was so distraught and you know there was just so much yeah, just like, so great much pain. Message, yeah. yeah so much shared pain mm. and so also I just mm. want to say thank you to you because um, you reached out to me a few times and uh, and even though I didn't respond every time and no, no, of course. Uh, it was great just to know that you were there and that you were thinking of me um, and also because I know that you can deeply resonate with, with what I've been going through and so like those those small little check-ins meant a lot sure well, most of the chickens had a swear words on it. <laughs> All my chickens are like, "F this shit! Like, this is so effing hard." <laughs> oh, it's my absolute pleasure, and um, we will continue to remember him and dedicate as many pods to him as possible, and many good times. And so, thank you everybody for joining us for this pod. And uh, next week we'll resume back onto normal, expansive topics. <laughs>